Let us go before our Lord and ask Him to bless the preaching of His Word. Heavenly Father, we come before You with thanksgiving that You have called us into Your presence. We rejoice in Your grace and mercy for the forgiveness of our sins for Jesus' sake. We ask now that Your Holy Word, sharp as a two-edged sword, cut us up, rearrange us, and conform us to Your Son, Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for the sake of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We are continuing our study in the book of Colossians. Today we'll be looking at Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. Let us hear God's word. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, as you know, we just returned from General Council, and while we were there, they released, Athanasius Press released a new book by Rich Lusk, basically on the church. And in its very first introduction, he shares this point. So many of America today makes the the point that you must be saved so that one day you'll be in heaven and you'll live more or less happily ever after in God's love and grace. That is certainly true, and that is part of the gospel. But you see, in Mark chapter 1, we see that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Salvation is more than just where you end up. It is how we are to live. It is how we are to conduct ourselves. And so we too, as we consider this passage, really all of Colossians, this message to the church in Colossae, is 
about establishing truth and doctrine, about how to live and conduct ourselves in God. One of the difficulties, if the emphasis week after week after week is get saved so that you go to heaven, is you end up with a church full of people that don't know what the Bible says and how we are to live. Basically, what we get is an immature church culture. We need to remember what God's Word tells us here in Colossians. Just as a recap, remember that we were alienated from God. Our minds and emotions were so alienated that we were in bondage to our sin. We also know from our previous studies that maturity is being filled up with Christ. We know that the Word of God comforts and knits us together and assures us in our understanding of God's grace and promise of forgiveness to us and promise to help us grow in Him. We need to, to read, hear, and sing the Word of God. And in that, we will be brought up together in Christ. And unity can only be found in Christ. You know, immaturity clamors all the time for unity and peace. But it cannot be had outside of Christ Jesus. We are to remember, and we heard some of this in our, our Old Testament reading today. We need to not be like Israel. We don't want to go back to the life of bondage. We don't want to be complaining to God about his, all His good grace and His deliverance. We don't want to go back to that life of bondage. Over what? Simple pleasures. As Christians, we need to insulate ourselves from being led back to the slavery of sin. We need to remember that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. We are to keep our eyes open. Why? Because Satan beguiles us. He wants to get after us. He wants to put temptation before us. And praise God that God circumcises our heart in baptism. And we are incorporated into God's people. And we are the beneficiary of the covenant promises. And what did Christ do with all of our sin? He nailed all the true accusations that are, were against us to the cross. And we can rejoice and be at peace. Now remember, when Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae, he is not writing just to adults. He is writing to every person, young and old, in that church. It doesn't matter where you were born. If you're in the church of Colossae, this letter is for you. It doesn't matter if you were slave or free. If you're in the church in Colossae, this letter is to you. We too need to recognize, no matter what our background is, that we too are the body of Christ, and these words found in Colossians are for us. We need to see that today, our passage begins, If then you were raised with Christ. What is it referring to? Back in chapter 2, in verse 12, it says this, that we were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. So God is at work, and He buried us in baptism, and He raised us in Christ. 
We also see in Colossians 2.23 that these things, these, all the things that cause cre difficulty in our lives, that all the excesses of God's people that we take and we add to God's word, those have the appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So remember, Christ is our only Savior. We are buried and re resurrected in our baptisms. And all the other things that we try to do, all the other things that we add, that we say is this is the way to salvation, they're nothing. They're of no value against our sin. So what are these things that he brought up in chapter 2? He warns us in verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to, to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world. And here he's speaking about the Judaizers wanting to return to the old covenant and not to live according to Christ. So we need to remember that being raised in Christ changes us. Verse 1 here of chapter 3 says, If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The point that Paul is making is not that we are to have some off-world experience, distance from ourselves, some place in heaven, but rather we are to understand that Christ has changed us and our lives are changed because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this affects our way of thinking towards everything in our lives. Our minds should be changed. Our practices should be changed. We should abandon our old practices, our sinful practices, our old values, and our old customs. We are told that we must mortify our sin, our lusts, and our desires. Verse 5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. God is calling us to mortify our sin, that is, to subdue or to bring in subjection all the bodily appetites. We should do this, certainly through abstinence or rigorous discipline, but we need to put it to death. We need to restrain the desires that are outside of God's law. When God created us, He gave us appetites and desires. God gave us smell and taste to enjoy food and aromas. But gluttony is excess, and it brings trouble and judgment. God created us with desires for sexual union by design. But sex of any kind outside of God's design brings trouble 
in our lives and judgment from God. God's design of our maturity is to learn how to put to death the sinful desires that corrupt what God has given us. We must learn to rule ourselves according to the boundaries that God has given us. In Christ alone, we can learn joyful obedience because He died, rose again, and sits at the right hand of God. We are delivered by Christ alone, and the fruit of Christ's work is joyful obedience with all gratitude and thankfulness. The process of mortifying our sinful nature is one to know what actions we are to kill. We have to know what they are. And then we have to know what we are to do instead. The Christian life is not to stop sinning so we do nothing, but to live as a Christian in the life that Christ gives us. So what are we to, are we to stop doing and mortify? First of all, fornication. Sex outside the bounds of marriage of one man and one woman. That's it. That's the only proper sexual appetite. Uncleanness. What is this uncleanness being spoken of here? It is being completely abandoned to vice, lost to the principle or truth, virtue or decency. Extremely vicious, shameless in wickedness. Uncleanness is rejoicing in your sin. We see this in so many places in our communities today. And unfortunately, even in the church, where sin is celebrated and embraced, that is uncleanness. We are to mortify that. We are to mortify our passions. That is, passions that are depraved, afflictions of the mind and emotions. You see, we need to be limited by God's boundaries. And when we don't, we are falling into depraved afflictions. We are also to mortify evil desires. Those are wrong, destructive desires and cravings for that which is forbidden. Covetousness. We must not desire what belongs to others. We should not have a greedy desire to have more than what God has given us. So much sexual sin and perversion is based upon this. I'm coveting more than what God has given me. If you're single, He's giving you singleness for now. Any other sexual experience outside of that is wrong. It's craving for what is forbidden. If you're married, your sexual union should be just between you and your wife. And anything else, anything else, desiring what God has not given you is wrong and covetousness. The moral indifference of the age of the New Testament era is very similar to today. This dismissal of fixed truth fuels uncontrolled erotic passion and misdirected sexual desires. And because of this, and because of these sins, God's wrath is coming. Romans 1.18 tells us this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. 
Because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. We also see in Ephesians 5, beginning verse 5, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. In this pastoral letter, Paul is holding the line with God's sexual ethics so that the saints of God are reminded that God's wrath is coming to the sons of disobedience. Remember, Jesus has delivered us from all principalities and powers. We see this in Ephesians 1 and Colossians 2. And Jesus rules over all, so we must not return to living like our old idolatrous lives, just like the ones the people of Israel had in Egypt. In Christ, we are not sons of disobedience, but we are saints in the death and resurrection of our baptism. Paul takes a turn, and then he looks at other manifestations. He looks at the sins of anger. He says this, that we should not be full of anger. What is anger? It's wrath. It's vengeance. It's indignation. It's really contempt because of covetousness. When we become angry, we desire to take vengeance. We're indignant because how could someone act and behave in some way inconveniencing me? Parents, your children are not an inconvenience. They are your God-given disciples that you are called to disciple in Christ Jesus. So, when they sin or merely are inconvenient in their needs, do not be angry. Do not be angry at your spouses or with your brothers and sisters in the church. What are we doing? We are desiring to have our own time. We're coveting that they are infringing upon our rights. This is sinful and foolishness. We are not to be full of wrath. That's anger that's boiling up and then soon subsides. For us, this is not how we are to behave. Many of us just completed the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness. And in that, he uses the illustration, when someone bumps us, what comes out of the cup? Does our, our anger and wrath boil up and spill over and then quickly subsides? Do the people in our lives see and recognize what's going to happen? They don't know what's going to happen next. If we say something or get on a topic or if something happens, how will you react? Do not react with wrath. We are warned against malice. Malice is a disposition to injure others without cause. It's really based as a mere personal gratification from a spirit of revenge. Ah, you acted this way, I'm going to get you back. That's malice. 
And a lot of times we always think about it in the grand scale. There's certainly cultural issues that we react to or big things. But in our very personal lives, we do this. Husbands and wives, are you listening? Your husband or your wife says or does something, and you react, I'm going to get him back. That's malice. Children, look up this way. When your brothers or sisters do something to you, and you're like, all right then, I'm going to get you. I'm going to give you what you deserve. That's wrong. That's malice. We are not to do that. You are to say no to that. We are not to be full of blasphemy. That is to say, we should not slander or use injurious speech to another person's good name. These are all sins of the tongue coming out. People of God, we are to mortify these things. We are not to have filthy language foul or obscene speech. And then he takes it a step further. Do not lie to one another. That is to say, do not speak deliberate falsehoods. You know, sometimes children, we like to play tricks on our, on our siblings, our brothers and sisters, and we tell them a lie so we can laugh at them. Do not do this. Do not speak deliberate falsehoods. We are to mortify these sins because we have put off the old man with his sinful desires. Now it's interesting, before Paul comes and takes a turn and says, okay, don't do this, this is what you're to do. He pauses right in the middle and points out that in Christ Jesus there are no more divisions of people. Now this is a really interesting turn because... Before he gets all the things you are to do, he's pointing out to the church in Colossae that there are no more divisions. You can't create ways and structures to treat different people different ways. There's one standard, and that is God's standard. He says this in verse 10, And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Jew or Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, <coughs> excuse me, but Christ is all and in all. You see, renewal results from God and not our own effort. It is God's gift to us. Renewal comes from being joined to Christ who is the image of the immortal God, Colossians 1. No man-made system of do's and don'ts can create the image of God in people. Christ Jesus creates a new humanity without distinction. No more Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. This passage stands on chapter 2's admonition against the Judaizers' desire to make all Christians into Old Testament Jews by the ceremonial laws and the rabbis' oral laws. There is no more distinction in this way. There's also no distinction between the people of God and the barbarians. Who are the barbarians? Those people who are not of your own natural people. The term barbarian comes 
from the idea that the other languages spoken by other tribes were just gibberish. Bar, bar, bar. And they're simply a lower class of people. You see, these days, everywhere, we see this these days as well as in the past. You know, outside of Christ, the world thinks that anyone not of my tribe is subservient of my tribe. When I was doing mission work in Peru, there was a clear distinction between the people of the city and the people of the jungle. If you're a person of the city, you don't marry a person of the jungle. Now, praise God, one of our pastors down there, guess what? He's a person of the city and his wife is from the jungle. I, I thank God for that, teaching them that there's no more distinctive in that way. We can look back in history here in the United States. The Blackfeet Indian, why were they called the Blackfeet? Well, the Sioux thought they were subservient, and they, that calling them Blackfeet, that was an insult. You're of this tribe over here. You are not worthy. We saw this in New York City between the Irish and the Italian. You know, today we do this sometimes by what neighborhoods we live in or by what schools our children go to. It's interesting because God even brings up here the wicked Scythians who were brutal conquerors. They were so brutal, in fact, that the way that they dealt with people is that they would poke your eyes out of their enemies after they conquer you and make you do all kinds of terrible, torturous things. But, in Christ Jesus, they are new creations. They are made new. And you know what? There's not even a distinction between slaves and free in Christ Jesus. In Christ... All saints have no distinction, but all are saved, kept, and brought to glory by Christ. So because we are buried and raised with Christ in baptism, we mortify our sin by putting off sexual sin, sins of anger, and sins of pride, that we may heavenize our world. This is as we see in the Lord's Prayer that we sung today, that God's will will be done here on earth, as it is in heaven, where Christ reigns. So what then are we to do? We are to put on Christ. Therefore is the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In Christ Jesus, there is a new starting point. We are a new creation. We are God's elect, that is, saints that are beloved and holy, chosen before the foundations of the world, not because we were worthy, but simply by God's gracious mercy. We are then to put on Christ. What does this look like? Tender mercies. This is the deepest tenderness that disposes a person to overlook injuries so that we can treat an offender better than he deserves. 
Again, I think this is very applicable in our personal lives. Whether it's your spouse, your children, other people, maybe your roommates, might even be your parents. We are to have a deep tenderness that causes us, because of the work of Christ, to overlook the injuries that were made against us and to treat that offender better than he deserves. Isn't that how Christ treats us? We are to be kind, be full of kindness, promoting the health of others even at our own expense. That's what kindness is. That's caring for someone other even when it costs you something. And you're promoting their benefit, their growth in God, their physical needs, their spiritual needs. We are to be filled with humility. That is, we are to remember to be humble and have a humble opinion of ourselves because we too are saved and kept by Christ. We are to be full of meekness, which is gentleness. And it's gentleness just in be, not just in being soft, but it is meekness is great power restrained. Think of Christ Jesus. On the day of his crucifixion, he could have called down legions of angels to deliver himself. He restrained himself. For what? So that we could be reconciled to God the Father. That is great power restrained. We are to be long-suffering. That is patient. But we should be filled with that patience, with endurance, a constancy, a steadfastness, and perseverance. You know, when you think about anger, and you look at long-suffering, this is the antidote. Be patient. Have endurance in that patience. Be constant and steadfast. We are to be bearing with one another. That is, we are to sustain and hold up others. And we are to forgive one another. That is, to pardon and to freely and graciously restore one another. When we hear what we are to put on, we see that because of the work of Christ's undeserved forgiveness, we too must lay aside our right to vengeance so that we may promote others' eternal health with a constant and steady upholding of others so that they too may be restored to God. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians chapter 6. We also see in 1 John 3, beginning in verse 16, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. That sets the example. Christ set the example for us. And so, we are to what? Above all, to put on love, which is affection and goodwill and benevolence, brotherly love, which is that which binds us to perfection, to perfection. This binding is likened to the ligaments of holding the body together. Now you remember when we come in here, you fathers, you mothers, you children, you're still a family, but you are all saints of God. When the Lord's Supper is passed, the parents do not mediate their children to God. Only Christ Jesus mediates. In that way, 
no matter if you're young or old, we are all the saints of God. And so we must remember that we are all the body of Christ. And what binds us together? Christ Jesus and his love. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When we live with this kind of love, Christ's love for one another is God's will done here on earth as it is in heaven. Our love for one another blesses and holds the body of Christ together. And this is really important. Not only is it a blessing and it holds us together, but it preaches the transformative gospel to the world, not just with words, but with actions. This can seem like an overwhelming goal. Perfection. Perfection here in the Greek means a completeness or a maturity. We are to put on these thoughts and actions as we grow to maturity in Christ. Mortifying our sin and growing up in maturity in Christ is ongoing even though we are forgiven and justified in Christ Jesus. Finally, we see that we are to have the coat of peace that God gives us, and in that, have gratitude. Verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What is to rule, direct, control, and determine our hearts then? The peace of God. We have peace because Jesus Christ is on His throne at the right hand of God. He is our assurance. And this is what holds us all together as one body, and that is the Bride of Christ. We can be here today and have Sabbath rest in the complete work of Christ's forgiveness. We are to stand here with thankful gratitude for His grace towards us. And when we grow faint, we are to let true, steadfast words of the resurrected Christ dwell in us in wisdom and teaching. We have to listen to God's word read and taught. And we are, and in that we are both warning and exhorting one another by doing what? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving of grace in our hearts. When we sing to the Lord together as God's saints before Him, we bless one another. God gives gifts to us, and we give to Him, and out of these, we give to one another. Let us remember, having put off the old man and continuing to mortify our sin, we put on Christ and live as Christ in this world. We do all these things, not for our own glory, for if we do it for our own glory, we will fail. But, as verse 17 tells us, 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Success will be found for us and our families, and even the nations will be discipled because Christ is on His throne. Let us pray together. O Lord and our God, we give thanks to you that you have made us a new creation in Jesus Christ, that you have delivered us from the principle of sin and given us grace to uproot and mortify the particular sins in our lives, to uproot them by your spirit and power. Give us grace always to grow in you, to abide in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to give thanks to you, our Father, for your grace unto us. We who are so ready to demand and slow with gratitude, forgive us. We ask these things for the sake of Jesus, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.